Gardening Cats and Gators. Welcome to the December 15th Gardening with Cisco show. And thanks a lot for tuning in. Now, in a minute, I'm going to do an interview with Terry Rose about the Whidbey Island Garden Workshop. Before I do, I want to make a couple announcements. I want to do a restaurant review. <laughs> you know, I always love doing those, and I only do good ones. Uh, but I went to the Burian Pizzeria with uh, Greg and Heidi, a couple friends, and Mary, and uh, oh, la, la, that pizza is good, good, good. So uh, I'll tell you, Burian, it's like the hot spot in uh, the whole Pacific Sound area here, you know, (laughs) Puget Sound area. And uh, they got a great chocolate place there, too. And um, I I wanted to let my friend Greg know if he's listening that that uh, wonderful bottle of Two Mountain Syrah that you gave me as a late present for my birthday it told me I could store it for eight years. Well, it made a week. <laughs> hey, it tastes just as good after a week as eight years. <laughs> that was really good. Thanks a lot. Hey, uh, just a couple other quick announcements, and that is uh, that uh, I will be on New Day on Monday at 11 o'clock on King 5, and I'm going to be showing uh, really fun little stocking stuffers for your uh, for the gardener in your life. Oh, la, la. <laughs> so I think that'll be a lot of fun. I hope so, anyway. And... Uh, also, I want to let you know, Mary put a really cool thing on her website. So I visited a place called Newgrange, Mary and I did. It's an ancient tomb in Ireland, and uh, we went there uh, when we were leading a garden tour to Ireland. And um, Newgrange is this ancient, ancient tomb. It's older than the pyramids, older than Stonehenge, any of that kind of stuff. And it's humongous, and you have to get, uh, you know, you have to get a reservation to go in it and everything. But they set this thing up back then so that uh, on the winter solstice, when the sun rises, the sun goes in and lights up this big, dark passageway inside. It is one of the—I mean, we didn't get to see that. But uh, so what they do is they— have a lottery, and a few people get to go in every day around the solstice, you'd be one of the only people in the world to ever get to go in there at that time and see it all light up if it's not cloudy. And we are talking about Ireland here. So so really cool. You might want to check that out. Just click on Newgrange, and you'll, you'll be able to learn all about it. It was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Last little thing I want to tell you is that, you know, last week Greg uh, Butler and I were talking about uh, plants that attract, that bloom in the winter and attract hummingbirds. So I put that list on the front page of Cisco.com. Mary did, actually. And uh, so you can check that out and you'll know uh, if you travel like I do in the winter, then you can plant all these plants in your garden and you will have, the hummingbirds will stay. It'll feed them all winter and that's what I do. Okay. All right, so right now uh, we have got Terry Rose on the line. Terry, how you doing? 
Doing great, Cisco. The place you just described, it's actually older than either you or me. Yeah, that's hard to believe, I'll tell you what. And I'm going to keep eating my Brussels sprouts so that I get that old someday. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Good stuff. I want to tell you about the upcoming Whidbey Whidbey Gardening Workshop, which happens uh, March 2nd at Oak Harbor High School. Yeah, Did you, I, I'm I'm reading my notes here, and I kind of shocked myself. That's the thirty. <laughs> this will be the thirty first year. Wow! Would be gardening workshop. Hey, wow. do you do you know uh, who was the very first uh, headline speaker at it? Uh, some guy named Cisco, I think. Was I? Oh la la! <laughs> I don't know if I was or not, but that's cool if I was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not absolutely certain, but it seems to me I've been told that you were the first speaker. Wow. There. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that amazing? That Isn't is. That I'm amazing? sitting there with a huge head right now. <laughs> it's, it's really a razzle-dazzle great, great, great thing if you're into it gardening is. at all. I, I, our keynote speaker this year, I think, is probably an acquaintance of yours. Dan oh, yeah. Times. Oh, yeah. yeah He's yeah. great. He's uh, Oh, he really is. He's an internationally recognized travel plants man. I don't think I've ever heard that expression before. No. <laughs> and he's an author and a lecturer. He's president of Terra Nova Nursery. Which is a great uh, online nursery. Treasury. Oh, yeah, yeah. Spectacular new plant introductions. And, of course, that's what Terra Nova means. Um, he's going to talk about the greatest garden shows on Earth. And I bet you you've oh, attended boy. quite a few of those. I bet I have, and I love yeah. them. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's just spectacular. Now, now you know this man, so you know he's a fun guy. Yep. And um, we're trying something out this year that I think people will like a lot. On the Friday afternoon, a uh, late afternoon prior to the actual gardening workshop, there'll be a meet and greet with Dan at um, uh, where is he? I've gotten written down somewhere here. Uh, a, a place in Oak Harbor, and. Uh, he will just absolutely razzle-dazzle you. he tell you all about things that are coming up, oh, and you get fun. to ask him questions. That is which really you don't cool. don't get to do, you know, while he's on stage. You don't get not no, many questions. That's least. it, yeah. Um, and the actual website to register for the, the Whidbey Gardening Workshop will open up about one week from today. And if people want to write it down so they can they better. get into it. About it, one week to, from today, yeah. Yeah, January 13th, it, right? Yep. And, yep. you know, no, well, I want... when actually you can start registering. That's I want to let people... I want to let people know that they don't think around, because it sold out oh, last yeah. year really fast. Yep. Yep, absolutely sold out last year. Couldn't get anybody in. <laughs> but <laughs> but that's okay. If you get on it soon, when we open up the website, which should open up a week from today, uh, you'll get in. Quite likely you'll get in. Yeah. And, and the registration address on your computer is Whidbey Gardening Workshop, all run together, spelled properly, dot org. And also... Whidbey Gardening Workshop. And also I want to let everybody know that there's a link right on the front page of Cisco.com. So you can yeah. click on that and then you'll be all ready on, uh, on January 13 to click right on there and get signed up. Yep. And away you go. Yeah. You, you know, because you've been here. In fact, it's yeah. like the delight of introducing you one time when you were our keynote speaker. Yeah, that, that was, was fun. fun. You know how how many uh, classes we have scheduled for this year? I know you. Forty. I, 
You're kidding. 47. 47? <laughs> yes. Wow. And of that 47, 32 of them are new. You're kidding. Um, wow. No, not at all. Some of the new ones, color in the winter garden, which can be a little difficult in the that Pacific Northwest. can be very Turning difficult. your property into a wildlife lover's paradise, and I know that's right where you live. Oh, yeah. You yeah, love, love wildlife, that. as oh, do I. Oh, I do, I do, I do. And then, and then secrets of vegetable <laughs> companion planting. Cool. I think that's kind of neat. New stuff. That's the new stuff. Yeah. We we um, we cover. Let's see. We have five major categories, um, and and they happen in three sessions throughout the day. Forty seven of them. The major categories: garden design, gardening basics, ornamentals, sustainability and maintenance, and fruit and vegetable gardening. Um, so that pretty well covers it. Well, it covers um, the whole base, you know. That's uh, it's yeah. really fun. It's like, for instance, if you were a beginning gardener, and I know you're nowhere near a beginning gardener, one of the basics or some of the basics you could learn in these classes, irrigation, pests, weeds, cutting gardens, which is tricky, pruning, which can be super tricky, yeah. a whole different way of pruning different plants, um, natives, Rain gardens and shade. By the way, we planted a big rain garden down at the Green Bank Farm here on oh, Whidbey Island. Oh, I it's love the Green Bank thriving. Farm. It's just thriving. It looks absolutely gorgeous. Well, I have to and go that was look done at by that. Master Gardeners. I, I hadn't noticed that. I take my dog over there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I love I'm that. going to go walk one of my dogs there later this <laughs> afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> <That's really neat. laughs> oh, too funny. Do you have questions about the place? I, I mean, I can give you all kinds of information, but um, the Woodby Gardening Workshop is just, well, I, I should say that for the past couple of years, we've averaged uh, over 400 people attending it, and uh, over half of the, the attendees came from off-island. So a lot of people love wow. to come over here to Whitby and, and spend the weekend. Uh, and due to the, the meet and greet with the, the uh, keynote speaker and then attend the gardening workshop the next day. But you can stay in some really great places in Oak Harbor, and they've got special rates just for the Whitby Gardening Workshop people well, who are coming in. Terry, don't have uh, too You can much. find out that information, too, by the way. Too, I don't have too much more time, but uh, what's it cost to attend the workshop? Uh, the workshop pre-registration, like when we open up the registration thing, is $45. If you walk in and you're fortunate enough to get a class on a walk-in, because it sells out pretty early, it's $50. Not bad at all, though. I mean, that's a great deal for all you're going to learn. And um, what oh, about yeah. the Friday? I assume you have to be registered to go to the Friday meet-and-greet. Well, I think it would be a good idea. Now, I'm not sure it's mandatory. That's oh, something okay. you will find out when you go to the uh, the uh, sign-in place. Yep. Uh, that is an additional cost. That's 30 bucks for that. Great. Uh, and um, I think it would be worth it just to ask the man the question. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, he's, he's got so much so many years of wisdom. I'm not saying you're old, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> but he's got a lot of accumulated wisdom there, and uh, he knows his plants and gardening. So, boy, yeah, that'd be worth it for sure. Well, this sounds well, like you've really put together a great, great workshop this year. We work on it hard, yeah. yeah we sure do. want people to be pleased with it. All right. The Whitby Gardening Workshop, Saturday, March 2nd, from 8 to 5. 
Oak Harbor High School. You don't want to miss this. Uh, keynote speaker, Dan Himes. Why, hey, Terry, it's always so great to talk to you, buddy. Take care, man. It's always a delight. And you, Next time you come over to the island, give me a holler, and we'll go walk our dogs together. Hey, it's a deal. I'll do that for sure. Okay. Take care, and okay. thank you. Okay. Take care, buddy. Bye-bye. All right, so don't forget there's a link right on the front page of Cisco.com to the Whidbey Gardening Workshop. All right, hey, I'm flying solo today, so I'm happy to take your questions. If I don't get any calls right away, I'll talk a little bit more about some of these uh, winter blooming plants that attract hummingbirds. And we'll be right back, 97.3 Cairo FM. is Gardening with Cisco on the all-new Cairo Radio Weekends, brought to you by PacificTopsoil.com and Moldax in Woodenville. Ooh la la. Here's Cisco. Ooh la la. So hey, I should give the number if you want to give me a call, one 973 cairo one 973 5476 You won't have to wait too long to get in since there's nobody on the list. <laughs> So, hey, I did want to, I do have a bunch of emails that have come in, but I think what I'll start with is uh, just talking about a few more of those incredible plants that I depend on to keep the Anna's hummingbird that stays up here, uh, up in my garden year round. And I have three Anna hummingbirds, Anna's hummingbirds, that I see practically every day just battling it out <laughs> in my garden. Don't those guys ever make friends? You know, it's like, I, you know, they're probably married, but they're still battling it out. But uh, anyway, we talked about Grevillea victoriae, which is this incredible six-foot-tall shrub. It looks kind of like a silver-leafed willow because uh, the bottom of the leaves are real silver, covered with red flowers. comes from Melbourne, Australia, but it's fantastic. And then Greg talked about Mahonias. So there's all these Oregon grapes from Asia, and they're crossing them all the time, and they have beautiful yellow flowers, most of them. Some are even fragrant. The hummingbirds depend on them all winter long. So, uh, And then I talked about Camellia sasanquas. These things bloom in the middle of winter. It's only the ones that are very single that attract the hummingbirds. If you have a real double one, you don't see any of those... Uh, stamens, the yellow things in there, then it's probably not going to attract hummingbirds. But boy, the one called Yuletide, they're all over it all winter long. So great. So there's a viburnum called Bodentense Dawn. And viburnum Bodentense can get 20 feet tall, (laughs) although that's rare. But 15 feet, 12 feet, 15 feet, pretty common, but not a big tree that's going to cause trouble. It's got one problem with it, and I admit it, and that's it suckers so much that it can look a little rowdy, but if you keep that thing pruned, it was the big hit at the Northwest Flower and Garden Show one year for sure. So if you keep it uh, well pruned, then Bodentense Dawn is one of the prettiest plants you'll ever see, blooms with the most fragrant pink flowers you've ever seen all winter long. It's fantastic. The hummingbirds can't leave it alone. Cut some of the flowers off. Oh my gosh, you'll think someone's getting married in the back room in your house. It's so fragrant. (laughs) All right. Hey, I've got so many phone calls, but we can't go to those yet. 
So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a break in about a second or two here. And then uh, when we come back, I will go right to those phone calls. So, uh, Pat from Renton, you will be up first when we come back. And then uh, Rhoda will get you up there too. So right back on the best gardening show in the whole world, including the Pacific Northwest, by the way. And uh, 97.3 Cairo FM. Okay, we're back, and uh, hey, let's go right to Renton and talk to Pat. Hey, Pat, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. I have a couple questions about clematis vines. Uh huh. Somebody, quite possibly you, told me years ago that I should leave them on the, well, just leave them there until the spring when they show new growth. Is that is that right? I'd like to cut them down because they're so bloody ugly. <laughs> they are bloody ugly. <laughs> well, it depends on when your clematis blooms. Okay, so, well, I have one. One is a Nelly Mosier. Okay, you got to leave that. I have to leave that. Yeah, one. because see, yeah. that's already set all the buds. You could prune it to neaten it up or something a little bit. But that so buds, it's not going to grow up anymore if I if I prune it to the ground. Then no, it if you if you prune it to the ground now, you'll get no flowers next year. Well, can I prune it to the ground in the spring? N- no, not really. You can. Okay, so I have to leave the vines up there then. Yeah, you can. But what you could do is you could prune a third or more of the vines down different lengths. So you could take if it's really a crowded mess, you could take some of the vines out. You could cut others back a third, others back two thirds. That's what you have to okay. do to the spring blooming clematis. Now, you well, I must I must have killed it years ago because it just resurfaced about three years ago. Uh, so you maybe could, I did put it to the ground. Anyway, yeah. it came back. You can't, the other you can't, one I have is a Jackamani. Jackamani. Jackmani. Good. Well, that one you could cut down now. I can. Yeah, okay. because Jackmani. What it does is it blooms as it grows. And that's the best kind of clematis, in my opinion, because you can cut those down in the fall. They couldn't care less. As they grow, they set buds and then bloom. So they bloom almost all summer long as they grow, and you don't have to live with that ugly stuff ugly on stuff. whatever well, it's on. Okay, I'm, I'm one for two then. So. Yeah, you're doing pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> I have just, to leave Nellie over there, huh? Yeah, I don't just want her so, to disappear again because... N- Yep. Somebody else told me to, to prune it then and the, after it was done blooming, and by yeah. golly, it did. It bloomed again in the fall. So. Well, you, you could prune it lightly, but if you whack it down to the ground, you're not going to see any blooms in the fall, and you'll be lucky if you see any the next spring. Well, I think I'll just leave it up there then and have it look ugly. Yeah, so. that's, Anyways, you know, what you. the heck? That's not so okay, bad. Talk to you later. <laughs> All right, Pat. Thanks a lot for the call. Well, Bye-bye. Bye. All right, we're going to Great View now to talk to Rhoda. Hey, Rhoda, how are you? Hey, Cisco, I'm good, thanks. How are you today? <laughs> oh, fantastic. Great. I, I'm calling on behalf of the birds with an idea. Oh. That, um, I know that we've been told not to use bird seed because it attracts the rodents, but I've discovered that if I feed the birds, like in my case, I do about two cups each feeder in the morning, and it's 
it's gone by noon, oh. so I feel like I, I'm not um, attracting the rodents. I hope that's right, and I also keep a lot of water in the bird bath because, as you said, the, the water is really important for the birds and yeah. the creatures this time of year. But the idea of using the seed, you know, just for a few hours, maybe four or five hours, they take care of it, and then it's gone. Well, I, Do you think that's good? I think that's brilliant. And, oh, you know, good. the problem is not all of us would work that hard as you do, but there is one other thing to keep in mind. Birds are kind mm-hmm. of pigs, you know. <laughs> they push yeah. a lot of the seed out of the feeder, so you want to make sure you clean up under it because, uh, you know, at my house, I had never seen a rat at my house till I hung up bird feeders, and then uh, the doggone the first rat I saw, I'm doing a garden tour at my house, and we've done the tour, and we're sitting on my patio having a glass of wine, and I see this big fat rat going across the arbor yeah. above the patio. I tried to tell a good story quick, but everybody saw it. And uh, so uh, I I went out and bought this these special bird feeders that are totally rodent-proof. And the next day, my wife comes home from work, and there is the fattest rat stuck in its big, fat butt. is sticking out of the container. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. So, Aww. but I'll tell you what. Um, I think if you keep it cleaned up underneath, mm-hmm. and your idea of only putting in enough so the birds get to eat it quick, I think that'll work 100%. I think it's a brilliant idea. Well, great. You know, and I noticed that a lot of the the ground feeders, if if I stop it at noon, a lot of the doves and some of the other birds that like to eat off the ground, they'll be there in flocks. We even have some quail that come in oh, cool. um, and in eat, so that helps, too, I think, clean yeah, up the ground. Th- oh, yeah, they eat, I'm sure. you got lots of them like that. That's going to help mm-hmm. a lot, you know, and... Um, so I think okay. you're in great shape, and you'll know because if it's not working, you're going to spot those. You're going to see a rat try and get into the feeder or something like that. Yeah, which is just yeah. A we'll pain. keep an keep an eye out for that. I noticed with the suet. Um, some creature came and got the suet and the holder and took oh. it off. So <laughs> I kind of given up on that. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> well, hey, George so Pinu. George Pinu used to be our extension agent. He's he's no longer alive, but he was one of my best friends. And he told me that he, at his house down in Kent, he saw a squirrel pull the bird feeder up. It was on this uh, branch or something, and it was pulling the chain, <laughs> pulling the whole thing up. So... So there, those guys, all those little rodents are awfully smart, but mm-hmm. uh, but so it's our job to outsmart them. So and it's so fun to feed the birds. I don't do it anymore. It you know, it I wish I could. But, but yeah, I just thought I'd call just to give people hope that there there is an alternative to just stopping. That's a really completely. good point, and I do want to point out that even when I stop feeding the birds. Because I had so many fountains and bird baths, none of mm-hmm. my favorite birds, only those uh, those purple finches are the only guys that left. And, oh, interesting. Yeah, and the so rest the of them. Does it. Yeah, all the nuthatches, the chickadees, the towies, 
you know, all those guys stayed. But, you know, I have about 875,000 different kinds of plants in my garden, so they have plenty to eat, you know. (laughs) Yeah, my Mahonia charity is absolutely gorgeous now. You know, it blooms for so long. Boy, they bloom for long, and boy, don't the hummingbirds love those? Yes. Oh, it's so fun to watch. Thank you, Cisco, so much for everything, for all of your information over all these years. I really appreciated you so much. Hey, Rhoda, you're the best. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Cisco. Okay, bye-bye. Thanks Thanks for calling. Okay, so we've got all open lines again. I'm going to have time for probably, you know, one, maybe two calls at the most. Only one. Brian says, you're only going to have time for one. (laughs) Okay, so the first caller that calls in, you'll get your question answered. Otherwise, uh, I'll do a quick email. We'll do one or the other. We'll make sure something's happening on this show. Right back, 97.3 Cairo FM. Yeah, boy, we've been having the weather on. It's like we're getting November and December this year is what's happening. But, hey, I'm happy for all you skiers. Lots of snow. Hey, let's go to Emily in North Bend. And, Emily, thank you so much for calling. Hi, thanks for answering my question. Yeah, you betcha. So I have um, some, like, 12 to 14-foot arborvitaes that serve as a privacy fence between my and my neighbor's house. And my neighbors have asked me if I could lop the tops off to give them a better view of the mountain in town. And I'm happy to do that, except I dislike the look of the the cut tops on arborvitaes. Uh, Is there a way to lower the height of the arborvitaes without cutting the tops straight off? Well, you can, what you can do... And this is tricky, and you got to – but it's not the highest skilled pruning, but it's it takes time. Let's put it that way. But uh, so I used to be a professional pruner, and I have pruned about – I think I at last count it was 8,942,000,000 arborvitaes. <laughs> oh, wow. But, but – um, so what you got to do, you got to – you know, you shouldn't cut off more than a third of them if you can help it. So a third of the way down. If you go further than that, you could stress the trees out and cause a little trouble. So then when you do that, you go up there in the ladder. You're going to be, you know, you're going to probably need a saw up there. And you're going to cut the the main branches. And hopefully, if you only go a third of the way down, you're not going to be cutting into really thick trunk. But you may be. And um, so... Because usually when they get toward the top, uh, the stems kind of divide up there. So you may be cutting in more individual stems. But what you do is you cut that main trunk down a little farther than the ones around it because there's lots of little okay. branches coming out. And then you just individually prune each of the little side branches so that you make you build a little dome uh, shape. Up there on the top, and uh, you know, okay. and you can you can cut those side branches anywhere where those I don't know if you call them needles or leaves or scales, but you cut you, you can cut right into those, and but they will kind of branch out wherever you make a cut. But uh, so yeah, you can okay. kind of keep that nice dome shape, but it's uh, it's quite time consuming to do that. 
Okay, gotcha. And a follow-up question to that is what time of year well, you I know, I, and that's what I was about to mention, and that is that if you kind of wait a little longer than what will happen in spring, you'll get new growth that will really help cover up all your cuts. But you could do it okay. any, you can really do it any time you want. So you could do it in winter. Sometimes it's people go, well, I got the time now. In spring, I'm so busy weeding and yep. doing everything else. So you could do it pretty much any time you want, but... uh if you accidentally make some bad cuts and and those cutback uh, main trunks are standing there, you get to enjoy them all winter long till spring <laughs> comes. <laughs> okay, wonderful. Thank you so much. Uh, good luck, Emily. Thanks for the call. Thanks. Bye bye. Yep. Bye. Okay, so I've got just a, a couple of minutes, and so I am going to quick do a fun email I got. So from Allison, I got an email. Asking me, she said, someone gave me a potato. It's spelled B-I-M-B-I-N-T-J-E. And it's called a Benji potato. She's going, I've never even heard of one of these things. Uh, you know, how do I grow it? Well, I hadn't really heard of it either. <laughs> but I did a bunch of research and I found out that it's one of the oldest it was the original French fry potato. I think I, I think a Dutch guy invented it like in 1914 or something. Don't, you know, take me too literally on this. But uh, anyway, some guy from Europe invented this, and it was the first potato with really yellow uh, meat inside, you know, really yellow-looking stuff. And so uh, it's been really popular over the years, Uh for years and years and years, uh, they've used it to make French fries. But you can use it for practically anything. I've heard it makes really good mashed potatoes, the whole nine yards. The problem is, and you grow them just like you grow any potato, and in our climate, it's going to take a long time to ripen up. So, you know, you got to wait till the, you could, you know, you could dig down, get some new potatoes, just pull those off the vine and you serve Got to serve those right away. They don't keep, and you just add lots of butter, and they're fantastic. <laughs> but they're good with Brussels sprouts. But if you wait till all the vines die back in the fall, you want to plant them about the first week of April. You wait till all the, the vines die back in the fall, cut it right, cut all the vines to the ground, and then wait a week, and then you dig in and harvest, and you're going to get there. They produce quite well in our area from everything I've been able to find out about them anyway. And the biggest problem, Allison, is that uh, someone gave you one now. Now you've got to keep that potato from sprouting too much and do you know growing like mad and keep it from rotting until April. The first week of April when you can plant the sucker. So what I would do is I would keep that in a paper bag in my garage in the dark and uh, unheated garage. And then if you're lucky, it'll survive all winter long. But a uh, whole lot of different I, – I went online to see if you could buy them. You could buy the, you know, the seed potatoes for those from a lot of companies. So if the one your special friend gave you dies – over the winter time, or starts growing like mad. If it does, it's probably not going to work when you try and grow it in the ground. Just order some new ones. And don't tell them. <laughs> and 
You and then invite them over for potatoes in the fall because uh, they are quite good. They keep fairly well. They are somewhat disease prone, so you're going to have to you know watch out for that. And uh, you know, but um, but they're supposed to be absolutely delicious. And if you've had French fries in Europe, you probably had Benji potatoes. So. <laughs> I've never made my own French fries. So actually, I don't hardly ever eat French fries. I don't know why. Okay. So I, hey, I hope that helps, Allison. So that was kind of a fun email. Hey, uh, all right. And um, so don't forget, uh, if you want to find out about the winter solstice at Newgrange, just go to Cisco.com and uh, click on Newgrange and you can learn all about that. That is so cool. There's a link to the Whidbey Gardening Workshop on the front of Cisco.com. And all my favorite plants that I depend on to keep my hummingbirds happy when I travel in winter, believe it or not, that feeds them 100% better than you could almost do with a feeder if you had one out there. So, all right. Well, listen, everybody, enjoy this wonderful weather. Keep giving your pups walks, even if you have to bring them home wet and your whole house smells like a wet dog like mine does. <laughs> Brian, thank you so much. Always great. And uh, everyone, take care. Eat your Brussels sprouts. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.